It is a joy to be with you this morning. We just want to extend our grateful thanks. For the opportunity to minister in a church. That we love dearly. I'm always, we're always excited about coming back. Always enjoy our time here, your gracious hospitality. But most of all, excited to see what God is doing year in and year out. We just want to commend you. Say thank you for being faithful with all that which God has entrusted to you. It's amazing to see the growth. The growth of this local church in context of size is an indication of the fruit of the gospel through this local church. Well done. Great. This morning, we are going to throw some stones. That's the title of my message. Throw some stones. It will become a bit clearer as I get into the word this morning. It amazes me that God would choose us, the collective us, you and I, to be the display of his glory and his splendor that to the church he has entrusted the gospel to be shared in the communities that we live. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 10 the context of this verse Paul is just showing us the purpose of a local church in a community. And so what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 10. Okay. Paul writes, he says that his intent God's intent was that now present context we're reading it through the church which is you and I the manifold wisdom of God be made known. I learned a new phrase in the first meeting Jesu wa makatsa and what does that mean? <laughs> what does it mean? So Jesus is amazing. <laughs> he learns quickly, this interpreter. <laughs> Jesus is amazing. Friends, as we read Ephesians 3 verse 10, that God's intent that now through the church, this amazing Beauty, um, power, Mata. purpose Lemurero. of the gospel is revealed through you and I. We being the representatives, the ambassadors, this great king we serve Jesus in our community. 
I don't know if we always realize. Fully realize. The amazing privilege. Of this mandate. That God has entrusted to us. To make the Father known. To reveal him. To a broken world. I believe that if we live in less than that which God has intended for us as a local church, we present a bit of a distorted picture or a view. Of who God is and what He can do. If we, the church, are not confident about who the Father is, what He has done, what we have access to, then how can we expect the world? who see his glory displayed in us, to have any confidence in embracing him. I believe a confidence in who God is, who we are in him. A confidence in what we have access to through him, Jesus, needs to come back into the church. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 12. Paul gives the other aspect of that uh, balance to that scripture that God's intent through us, the local church. Manifold wisdom of God be made known. Paul goes on to write, he says that in him, in Christ, through faith in him, says we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Friends, the freedom, the liberty that comes by the gospel, the confidence of who God is, what he has done, is displayed by us. Is reflected in us as we live our lives. In this day and age. Where we look. We live. Where we look church. Where we live. And I think often our view is not on this great omnipotent God that we serve. I think at times when faith is flagging. I believe our circumstances define. Who we are. And how we live. I love, I just love hearing the testimonies that have come out of my birth nation, Zimbabwe. As a people who have experienced incredible tough times and hardship. And I wish we had time just to give you guys room and space to share your testimonies this morning. What has happened in that nation has not defined who they are. What's defined them is the God whom they serve. 
Amazing testimonies. Because we live in a fallen world. We will always face obstacles. We'll face tough times. We'll encounter giants that stand in the path of our inheritance in Jesus Christ. And this morning I want to say that I don't presume to tell you what giants you're facing. But, but giants are different uh, obstacles that we encounter. Different difficult circumstances we go through. And the reality, because we live in a fallen world, giants don't go away. We will always have them with us. We will always face them. But the key for us is is actually learning how to overcome them. Not submit to them. Not submit to them. I think more often than not, the giants see more intimidating. They seem to be bigger than they are. Because often I think the giants that we face or in our minds. It's how we see them, how we perceive them. Israel, in the context of their inheritance, remember God says, I'm going to take you out of slavery. I'm going to lead you into a land, a place of rest. A land that you will call your own. A land that is flowing with milk and honey. It was a place of promise, a place of peace. It was a place of rest. A place of prosperity. It was an inheritance that God promised to his people, the nation of Israel. In walking into that land, friends, there was a perception that they had to overcome. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> Numbers chapter 13, verses 32 to 33. 32 to 33. What happens is that. Uh, just allow me to paraphrase for a moment. Is that Moses sends 12 spies into this land. Let's just really go and have a look and see if this land is what God has promised. Sort of an advance party just to go and check it out. And so amongst those spies are Joshua and Caleb. The 12 spies come back from that land. And this is the report that they have. Now this is a land, friends, that God has promised that the Father is leading them into. The land that we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. 
We saw the Nephilim. Then an amazing thing they say. They've seen this land. They've seen the promise. They've seen the potential. They see a people who seem to be of great size. And they say, we seemed. Not they said. We seemed. As we looked at this land, as we looked at the people, we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we looked the same to them. How do these spies know what the giants thought of them? We seemed the same to them. You see, they had an idea in their mind of what the others thought of them. As soon as that statement comes out of their mouths, they've defined themselves and they've defined their inheritance. They had already disqualified themselves because of a personal perception. And I think sometimes, friends, we too are prone to that kind of mentality. We define ourselves what we think other people think about us. Instead of being defined what the Father says and has done with us. What we think about ourselves, we will in our own minds think what we seem to others. Joshua and Caleb. They took a hold of their inheritance. They didn't bow to this kind of perception. Saw the same land. Saw the same people. Yet they come back with a different attitude. Ten spies negative. Two spies positive. They say the land is exactly like God said it would be. We've seen it with our own eyes. Yes, there are people there that are bigger than us. Reality. But a greater reality that God is with us. And if He is with us, He will give us the land. Friends, that's the kind of mentality we need to live with. They didn't see giants. They saw big people. But they also saw they also saw they also saw an omnipotent, all-powerful God. Ah. Yeah. 
This is what Joshua and Caleb come back with. A faith report. The land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord if the Lord is pleased with us he will lead us into that land. A land flowing with milk and honey and give it to us. And then they go on and it's a man of faith. A man who has a perception of a great God who can do great things. A man that is not intimidated. A man who does not lack of faith. He says this. Do not be afraid of the people of the land. Because we will swallow them up. Their protection is gone. Their protection is gone. Their protection is gone. Their protection is gone. But the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. <laughs> Their view, friends. Their perception that they have. The faith that is resident in their hearts is rooted in a faithful God. I want to say this morning that giants aren't always what they seem to be. The giants are how we perceive them to be. Giants become giants when we allow them the room to become giants. They aren't always what they seem to be. It depends how we view them. Remember that great story in the Bible. David and Goliath. Remember that story. If you don't know it, we're going to have to send you to children's church. That's when I first heard about this story. Wonderful story of how a small man slays a giant, David and Goliath. It's a great story. It's a story that stirs faith. Of how small overcomes big. How the disadvantage has victory over what seems to be the advantage. It's a great story. When we when we when we reflect on that story, by all accounts, I believe that the the weight of victory was towards Goliath. You would agree with me. He was bigger, he was stronger. He was better armed. He had every advantage. David seemed to be at a disadvantage. Remember that story? 
That's the context of the story. You got two armies opposing each other. Across a valley. Israel on one mountain top. Philistine on the other mountain top. And neither of them wants to engage in battle. Because they know that if we give up the high ground and we come down give up the advantage. I was in the army. I served in the army. And we were always taught maintain the high ground because there you have the advantage. So we've got these two armies unwilling to give up the high ground. So it's almost like a stalemate. Sorry, I'm trying to think of another word, but okay. <laughs> No one moves. No one moves. And so what they do is that they, they decide that they, uh, Philistine decides that they're going to send their strongest warrior into the valley. And they challenge Israel to send their strongest warrior to fight their warrior. And the side whose strongest warrior wins will be victorious and take the inheritance. That's a context. And so now Philistines think they've got the advantage. Because they've got Goliath. The Bible tells us that he's over three meters tall. Come friend. Small man, big heart. You think I'm big. And I look down on Tabisu because of my size. To give you a context, Goliath was as tall as this building is high. Three meters, the Bible tells us. Israel didn't have a warrior that size. So they're intimidated by the size of this giant. I just want to give you a picture of how big he was. The Bible says that he was three meters tall. He had a bronze helmet on his head. And he wore a coat of scale armor. It was made of bronze. And it weighed about 57 kilograms. 57 kilograms. That's just the weight of his armor. Imagine Tabisu <laughs> trying to wear that armor. <laughs> I don't think I could. <laughs> 
His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod. And just the point, the metal point of that spear weighed about seven kilograms. No wonder Israel was intimidated. And for 40 days, this man Goliath stands and rattles his shield and his spear and he shouts curses at Israel. And for 40 days, Israel is quiet, fearful, intimidated. They stand on the mountain by make of faith. Remember, God said, I will lead you into this land. What happened? They took their eyes off him and chose to focus on a noisy man standing in a valley. That's the reality. It's a reality, friends. They're intimidated by the size and the appearance of Goliath until a shepherd boy who has faith and belief and is prepared to place his courage in a great God says, I will sort out that noisy piece of flesh. It's true. I will sort him out. Today I will march against him. Not on the back foot. Not intimidated. I'm prepared to engage with him. You see, David is not intimidated by size and by noise. But David sees an opportunity for God to do something amazing. If God be for us, if God be for us, friends, who can be against us? That's a promise that David carries in his heart. Saul tries to dress David. He's concerned. When David says, Give me the opportunity. He says, you know, Saul says, let me give you my armor. I'm worried. David says, no, I can't fight in those. It's like me trying to wear Tabisu's jacket. That's what David must have been must have felt like. Trying to dress in Saul's armor doesn't fit. And so often, friends, we try to engage our giants, the enemies. 
doesn't fit. We wonder why we're ineffective. Remember, I said that things aren't always what we see or think them to be. Goliath was a big man for a reason. We think he was born big. But I think uh, some medical experts have made an assumption that he suffered from a pituitary gland tumor or a gland, a tumor on a gland. And the effect of this tumor it produces an overgrowth hormone. And it would seem to explain his big size. Not only that, this tumor compresses some nerves. And it, it, ma- it makes Goliath short-sighted. So we see Goliath being led. You can read it in the scriptures. He's been led into the valley by a helper. Because I don't think he can see too well. Needs to be guided. Once in the valley, when he sees David coming to him, the scriptures record, they, it says that Goliath said, Come near to me so that I can destroy you. I believe it's because he can't see David too clearly from a distance. But David has an opportunity. He has a sling. He picks up five stones. And from a distance he knows he has the advantage. He knows he has the advantage. And Goliath is disadvantaged. Goliath can only fight at close quarters. And David picks up five stones. And he throws a stone with his sling. And it hits a big noisy man. On the forehead. He falls down. And David runs up. Takes Goliath's sword cuts off his head and he stands there victorious for Israel. Amazing picture where David teaches us don't give up the advantage. So often we engage from a disadvantaged position, friends. We have an advantaged position as children of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 4 The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. So often we try to engage in our problems and our difficulties like the world does. And we wonder why we don't get the victory. Well, just maybe this morning, 
The Father is reminding us that the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, the weapons we fight with have divine power to demolish strongholds. The weapons we have have the divine power to demolish strongholds. Divine power means they rest and reside in the one who is divine. Giants can be beaten, friends. We have misconceptions. We live with misconceptions about power. We think ourselves small in our own eyes. Unable to have the breakthrough. Unable to walk victoriously. And we magnify in our own minds, in our own eyes, we magnify the giants by limiting our own capacity and our thinking and our understanding. Right there, the battle is lost. David knows he is small. He has an understanding I'm a shepherd boy. And he knows hand to hand he will never beat Goliath. But David has a reference, friends. He has a reference of a great God. Who has done amazing things with him. Protected him, provided him. He has a reference of his own capacity. He skilled himself with a sling and a stone. And at a moment there was an opportunity. He said, Here I am, God, use me. We have access. We have access, friends. According to 2 Corinthians, we have access to a divine power. We have access to some stones that God has given us, that God has placed within our hands that enables us to take down our giants. David picked up five stones. I don't have, I don't have time to, to look at all five. But I'm going to look at two this morning. Can I just say that the cross is a complete finished work? And we need to constantly, day by day, walk in the finished work work of the cross. By faith in Jesus Christ. First stone. <laughs> Second stone is we have something incredibly precious. In Jeremiah, Jeremiah, God says, is my word not like a hammer that breaks a rock in pieces. Is my word not like a fire that consumes incredible weapon that we have been given church. Powerful weapon to demolish strongholds to bring down high places the word of God.
word of God. It's the best to urge us as married people to plug into a marriage course. It's not a marriage course. It's been armed with the word of God that enables us to release the life of God into our marriages. I don't know how we can stay married without the word of God leading us. Without the power of the Holy Spirit empowering us. What voice are we listening to? There is a voice in the world today which negates the relevance of the word of God. We walk by faith in the word of God. In the power of his spirit. Jericho. Jericho. Jordan. River. Were both obstacles to the inheritance. That Israel had to walk into. Remember the story. When God brought Israel to the banks of the Jordan River, and it was the Bible says it was the time of flood. That river is easy to cross when there's no flood. Shallow enough to wade across. It's shallow enough to wade across. But God brings him to that river at the moment that it's in flood. He gets Israel to exercise some faith. He tells tells Moses, Joshua, sorry, that you are to walk across the river. The priests are to go first. But the Ark of the Covenant is to be before the people. You know the Ark of the Covenant? contained the word of God and the presence of God was before them. I want to ask us which obstacles that we face do we place the word of God before us? Which stronghold we're trying to get liberty and freedom in? Are we allowing the word of God to lead us in? Was before the people. The Bible says that as the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant stepped into the water, the waters parted. Every man, woman, and child walked across into that promised land. Beautiful picture. God leads us in victory when we allow ourselves to be led obedient to his truth. Jericho, tightly shut up. Not tightly, tightly closed. No one went in, no one came out. Said it was a city that was impregnable. That's a tough word. <laughs> Took me a long time to figure out what it means, never mind to interpret it. Jericho. <laughs> 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 
City, he's been promised. How are we going to get victory here? Jesus appears. I believe it was Jesus. Commander of the armies of the Lord of Heaven. I believe it's a reference to Jesus. Appears. Joshua falls on his face to the ground. Are we going to do that? <laughs> and he says, What message does my Lord have for his servant? You know that, that God speaks to Joshua when he is face down on the ground. An attitude of submission and humility. And in that moment, God gives him a strategy to have victory over a city. And so often we want the breakthrough. We want the victory. But we're not prepared to humble ourselves before the Lord and allow him to speak to us. Allow him to lead us and to guide us. God gives Joshua a strategy. March around the city seven times. Blow the ram's horn on the seventh time. And the walls came down. Very interesting again, the Ark of the Covenant. It was at the forefront, it was before the people. I think sometimes, friends, we're trying to, to, to find solutions in the patterns of the world for our problems. When God gives us a strategy straight out of his word, the weapons we fight with have the divine power to demolish strongholds. God is asking us, church, this morning to pick up some smooth stones and to throw them at our giants. And if we will put our faith in him, in his word, in his power, we will have the victory. Amen.